What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. Podcast listener, serious question. Do you like wine? Because if you do, this podcast is for you. And even if you don't like wine, I guarantee you've heard of the amazing brand Barefoot Wine. And on this episode of the podcast, I get the opportunity to hang out with Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, who are the co-founders of Barefoot Wine. Yes, one of the most well-known brands in the world and the most well-known brand in the wine industry. So this was just an absolute treat and treasure for me. I really, really enjoyed chatting with them. And also, I want to say that at the end of the podcast, they offer a special gift to you around their new storytelling business audio theatrical, amazing presentation of how to better understand and learn from business audiobooks. And so these both, uh, both Bonnie and Michael are New York Times bestselling author. They speak all around the world. They're telling their story about how they started Barefoot Wine, you know, from the from the ground level and bootstrapped their way to grow this thing to be a massive, massive enterprise. And I'm just so honored and thankful that they took some time to uh, do a podcast with me. So thank you both so much. And also for listeners, make sure to listen all the way to the end because you get an awesome gift at the end uh, to dive into their new audiobook as well, too. So enjoy it. I loved it. They loved it. This is fantastic. Well, Michael and Bonnie, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I'm super excited to have you guys. This is going to be, certainly this is a dream come true for me. It's going to be a lot of fun, you know, diving in and I know you guys have a lot to offer. So thank you so much for being a guest. Well, we are delighted to be here, Matt. 
This is, uh, yeah, this is very, very interesting time we have going on in this podcast. It's just going to be fun packed. We're going to have a ton of things going on. And I know for the guests, they have a special offer at the end as well, too. So stay tuned for that. But would you guys mind both Michael and Bonnie just sharing a little bit of your story of sort of what's led you up to the to the world that you're living in today? Well, uh, as you know, uh, Bonnie and I are the founders of Barefoot Wine. It's the largest wine brand in the world. It's got the footprint on it. Um, we really fell into the wine business backwards. We weren't wine aficionados or anything like that. We were both kind of from the business world. Bonnie was more on the office side of things, and, and I was more on the governmental interrelations side of things. And so Bonnie winds up with this client who owes her, who owes, who is owed 300 large from a winery. The winery goes bankrupt. I go there. I negotiate. What I get is I get $300,000 worth of wine and bottling services. Now all we have to do is come up with a label, a distribution system, and everything else to turn that into money. How hard could that be, right? <laughs> and how long did it take? Yeah. So we find out over the next 20 years. And so there you have it. That, that's our story in, uh, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> that's all wrapped up into one. So I got to I got I to dive into a few questions. So were you I got to just total total transparency. Did you both enjoy wine before you got into the wine business? I know you, didn't, you mentioned you weren't aficionados, but did you enjoy the product at least? Uh, we didn't drink wine. You know, rarely did we drink wine. We Neither of us were big drinkers. But when we did, it was, you know, either a margarita or a greyhound or something like that. Yeah. So like if we ran out of booze, we would go to wine. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. So you, you stumble upon $300,000 worth of wine and you're now all of a sudden branching out to launching it yourself. Like who, where was the first place you, you went to say, we want to launch this thing? We're, we believe in what we can do. You know, where did you start? That is an excellent question. We went out and we asked questions of everybody that had touched the product, consumers, bottling line managers. And um, before it was bottled, we realized, of course, we had to come up with a label. So how are we going to sell this stuff? Plan A was to bottle it all and sell it at the chains here in California. So Michael went out to uh, the Lucky Buyer, Lucky Stores in California at the time, uh, sold more wine than any place else in the state of California. It's a large chain. He went to the wine buyer and asked him, I've got all this wine and all these bottling services. Just tell me what you want. I'll put it in the bottle and sell it to you. And our first giant lesson was this, his response. The buyer says, nobody's ever asked me what I wanted before. They just come in here and push on me whatever it is they've got to sell. But because you asked me, I'm going to tell you. And he did. And the answers he gave me have so much to do with the success of Barefoot Wines that I, I seriously don't know if we would have succeeded otherwise. Didn't we make a scene like that in the new audiobook? Oh, yes. There is a scene. Yeah, there's a scene where the, the Michael character comes in to this grumpy buyer who's played by who? Ed Asner. Yeah. The Ed Asner. Yeah. He's played by Ed Asner and he's snarky and he's like, you know, uptight and, you know, he doesn't have any time for this Michael Houlihan guy comes in and says, okay, what do you want? And that just changes him. He melts right down. He goes, oh, somebody's actually asking me what I want. 
And, and that's a major lesson for anybody who is starting a business. You know, we all come up with an idea. We fall in love with it. Our friends think it's cool. We got a great logo. It looks great on the screen. But nobody ever says, you know, how does it look on a curved surface from three feet away? You know, or will it stand out with a thousand other labels right next to it? You know, these kinds of questions. And that's the kind of practical advice because Bonnie and I went out and made friends in what we call low places. These are people that do the real work, the guys that drive the forklifts, the guys who are the buyers, the clerks, everybody in the distribution system that brings you food and beverage. We asked them what works and what doesn't work. And they gave it to us from their blue collar point of view, which turned out to be much wiser than the white collar. Remember, Bonnie and I weren't from the wine business. We didn't know what we were doing. So we were scared. We had to ask questions. And that humility is why Barefoot became such a big success. That is so amazing. I, I think I've shared a little bit about my back. My first job was actually a wine and beer distributor merchandiser, and I had a chance to go sell the products, and I had to go memorize like 2,000 different types of wine. And basically what I just did, sort of the same exact story here, is I went to all the guys who drove the forklifts, and I said, hey, what's actually the good stuff here? And they would pull a random bottle that I never would have guessed or not the most popular one or whatever it might have been. And they said, this is what you needed. This is what you need to be talking about. And that was just a super awesome lesson for me early on. So I love that. You know, <laughs> same industry. That's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it is, Matt. And um, so many people, as Michael said, think that whatever they've got is just going to sell like hotcakes. And uh, we've seen students in business schools and they've got their master plan when they leave their final paper and their product is all described and how they're going to manufacture it and all these great ideas. And when it comes to the sales part, there's one line. It will be sold at retail. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't going to work. But that's their sales plan. So the point is that most people are good at coming up with ideas and solving problems. Everybody's but, got one. But they're not good at sales. They don't understand sales or sales. You don't just sell to the end user. Hell, you got to sell to the forklift driver in the warehouse because if you don't, he's going to pick up the wrong stuff and deliver it. And when he does, sales are going to drop in that particular store. So you got to sell to the salesperson that works for the distributor. You got to sell for the clerk. You know, what do you do for him? Do you bring him baseball tickets and a cap, take him out to lunch, make him feel important and tell him how important he is? Uh, because if he doesn't replace the product on the shelf, you're not going to make any sales. And plus, he's talking to Mrs. McGillicuddy that comes in every day. He's the guy, see? And he's the lowest of the low on the chain. But he's the most important guy because, you know, the chain breaks at the weak link. So anyway, we learned all that and, and, and you know, we got all that as it's it's in our audio book, which is pretty interesting. The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand. And that's exactly what it took. Hardship, Hustle and Heart. Yeah, big on the hardship. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm excited to hear even even deeper into that as well, too. Um, I, I got to ask, at what point did the logo and the brand become you know, a thing became known, became, at what point did you want to even figure out what the logo was going to be? Was it the first one? And then also, when did that become sort of the staple behind the brand as well? Well, like Bonnie said, when we started off, we were asking people, you know, what not only, you know, what the, what uh, product they wanted, but what should the package look like? What should the logo look like? And uh, the buyer told us, and this is also in the audiobook. he said, 
make the logo the same as the name. Put it in plain English. Make it visible from four feet away and use an image that people can identify with. And for God's sake, put it in plain English. Now, he said that in about maybe 15 seconds real fast. But, you know, you got to take notes. And that was pure gold. So that's how we got the idea for the barefoot label, because it had to satisfy all those requirements. And later on, you know, now that we're advisors to many companies and startups and expanding companies, we take a look at their label and we just look at each other and we shake their head. It's too fancy, too many curly cues, you know, a foreign language, trying to be cute, trying to be mysterious. It's and, got nothing to do with what's inside your package. Yeah, it has nothing to do with, with what I can't is. pronounce it. Yeah, or I don't know what it means. Or they're trying to be cute, right? Don't, you can't con- confuse people. Don't confuse your consumer. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what happened. And, uh, you know, there's another scene uh, in the book where uh, Bonnie and I come home, you know, and we've been out partying with friends and it's late. It's like three o'clock in the morning or something. And I'm just ready to hit the sack like a ton of cement. And she says, wait a minute, I've got it. Get to the chalkboard right now. And so she starts ordering me to draw this picture. And it is the picture of the foot. And it is the picture of the foot at the right angle and, and with the right personality and everything else, because it comes to her in a flash in the middle of the night. And um, that turns out to be the barefoot label. That's it. That's where it came from. That is so amazing. So I, I got to ask, like, okay, so I, you got to humor me for a second as an entrepreneur myself. So I found I foundationally understand where, you're, where you guys are diving into the idea side. Who is truly the decision maker in the organization? Sure, it's the suppliers. Sure, it's the big CFOs. But at the end of the day, you're talking about the guy who's working at the storefront selling the wine. That's who's owning the decision making, right? So that's early on in sort of the how do we get this idea to market? market. Now, for you guys who've not only successfully built a early on product, but then you've taken something to become the most well-known wine brand of all time. How did you go from like the idea stage to now like scaling mode? What did you do right? What did you learn? You know, what were some lessons through like, okay, we've got something here. Now, how do we grow that? How did that start? Well, that was extremely challenging for us, Matt, because, yeah, because like so many other businesses, you don't start off with a ton of money. We didn't have any money to throw into advertising. The uh, buyer at the Lucky Store told us, if you don't advertise it, I can't take it. Nobody knows about this wine. So just making people aware that we had this product was our first huge challenge. Yeah, it's kind of like multifaceted. Uh, one challenge is you got to get out there in the first place. You have to be for sale, right? Then the second thing is you got to have people walking through the door who already know about your product. Well, here he was, this is in a book as well. It's in the audio book. There's a scene where the buyer says, if you put a million dollars into advertising, I'll put it in my 250 stores. And if you don't, you know, forget it. No big chains are going to take it. No box stores are going to take it because it's unknown. And we said, well, what are we going to do? You know, he says, well, you got to sell every mama, papa and every corner grocery store until it becomes a household name. And then I'll put it in. And he does two years later. But I say to him, look, that's going to take years. And he says, that's right. You better get started. (laughs) So this is the kind of cold, you know, 
tough love that happens throughout the book and, and really throughout our life, building the Barefoot brand from the laundry room to the boardroom. And I would say that the biggest challenge that any business faces is going from build up they go, they go from startup to build up. Startup, they, you know, they're on credit cards. They could go bankrupt any minute, okay? Build up, they got two or three guys that are paying for all the lights and keeping things on. So they do have some customers. They're not making any money. Then they, they realize that the big boys have got them over the barrel. So they go, we need more big boys. So they build out. That's where they make their mistake. That's where we made our mistake. And that's where we see everybody making their mistake. They're not ready for that growth. They, they don't. That's where we can really help them too. Yeah, because people understand the cost of goods, but they don't understand the cost of sales. See, how much does it cost to get on an airplane and go to Grand Rapids, Michigan? How much does it cost to rent a car there? How much does it cost to take somebody out to lunch? You know, how much does it take to kiss somebody, kiss up to somebody? you know, uh, or correct a problem in a store that nobody else will correct. It costs a fortune. But you asked how we got the word out there, how we were able to grow it. We grew it without paid advertising, Matt, because we had to. We didn't have any money for advertising. So once again, we went to people, this time it was the consumers, and we said, our product is in this store. What are our consumers interested in the community five miles around this store where our product is? Well, they were interested in cleaning up the park, cleaning up the beach, uh, starting a library for school kids. Any of these community projects or nonprofit fundraisers, Barefoot supported. We would go to their fundraiser, we would help them set up and tear down. We'd ask to speak to their audience. This is members that already exist. We became uh, uh, a part of their group that was pre-existing rather than trying to go out and create our own group. We supported their causes. We even took their message and put it in that store where, where our product was. We put it on the neck of our bottle, what's called a neck talker. And we said, go to South End Park a Friday at, at five and uh, contribute to their fundraiser. And we drew more people into their cause. Their group then was interested in supporting us because we supported them. So we basically gave their members a social reason to buy our product, which we found to be much stronger than a mercantile reason. I mean, everybody can buy wine, but why do you choose to buy this particular brand? And it's because they support us in our group. They're helping us raise funds, and they're helping us get our word out in a venue that we have no access to, which is the supermarket shopper. Yeah, that's what the members said. This approach worked so well, Matt, by, uh, by contributing to uh, the fundraisers and the nonprofits and communities, goals and projects, that we did it throughout the nation. And that is how we built Barefoot Wine, and that is exactly the reason why it was so popular. It wasn't uh, paid ads. It was supporting the community. 
So you truly were some of the first like in, in this space to to step and, and combine like brand loyalty. So it wasn't just, hey, we're going to come to the event so you can buy our wine, but it was no say, hey, we're going to be deeply involved with helping the community out. Sure, absolutely. We'd love for you to buy our wine, but we're very, very community driven. And therefore, it's a loyalty base. You can associate, you know, Michael and Bonnie's faces with the wine brand or the company or the, the local community member that they love who also happens to sell. So you truly built brand loyalty around the, the wine, the community, and each individual community as well. Yes, absolutely. And we did that from coast to coast. You know, people say, you know, follow your passion. We say, follow your opportunity passionately. And what we mean by that is opportunities present themselves to entrepreneurs much more often in areas that are not necessarily their passion, but they don't have to give up their passion. Like for instance, Bonnie and I were, you know, we're old fashioned tree huggers. We're hikers. We love nature. And so for us, you know, saving nature, cleaning up nature is just second nature to us. So we like to support people that are doing that. And we supported groups like that from coast to coast, people that were cleaning up Delaware Bay or people that were trying to save the Everglades all across the United States group after group. In fact, there was hundreds of groups that we supported. And so, you know, the idea is the days of mass marketing are over. It's really about micro marketing. Are you marketing to the people who are in the neighborhood that are around the place where your product is for sale? And even if you sell online, the fact is that it's local worthy causes that are much more likely to be loyal because you start getting into these uh, national worthy causes. They're great, but, you know, they they basically sell endorsements at this point. And these these small companies, I mean, small nonprofits, they're happy to get any support they can. Yeah, we worked with the small uh, local nonprofits. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you got to humor me for one last second on, the, on this, and then I know we want to switch gears to, to the book and everything you guys are doing now. But I have to, as you both know, I'm in the hiring space. And so for you guys building such a massive brand, but yet has has a personal touch, community-based touch, how did you go about hiring for that? How did you attract that community-based individual or groups of people to, to work and to you know to sell your brand, not just sell wine, but sell your brand? How, how did you go about that? I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Okay, so that's the biggest challenge that any business faces. People say, okay, so you did this business for 20 years. You built this huge brand. What did you learn? You know, we learned how to hire better. We still don't know how to hire the best way. And we're always learning more tricks. But what we did is we went out and we went to the buyers who were going to buy our products. And we said, Mr. Buyer, what salesperson do you like? And why do you like that salesperson? What does that salesperson do for you that no other salespeople do? And then we would approach that salesperson and ask him if he wanted to be a manager in, our, in, a, in that territory. Another thing we learned about salespeople is they're very domestic. You know, they got a wife, they got kids, they're in schools. So they want to stay in the town where they live. They don't really like flying all around the United States. I mean, that's a home wrecker anyway. So the idea is if you are going to roll out a national brand, you have to have a bunch of local representatives, you know, basically in each uh, market or metropolitan area. So finding that person, the person already exists. And you can find him by going to the stores. You can find him by going to the buyers or her. Uh, and 
you know, the, the, the thing is that when we did get people and we did interview them, we didn't just hire them. Right. We wanted everybody out there on the same branch with us before we cut off the branch from the tree. Right. So we went and brought that person back to our offices and had everybody in our office staff interview up. And they had to decide whether this person was a go getter, a self starter, an independent thinker or if they were going to be a lurker. Right. So and we had to get them, you know, to sign on because after all, they're going to work with this person. And so they told the person what they did and how they would be supporting them. Uh, In our company, we only had two divisions. One division was called sales and the other one was called sales support. If you weren't in one of those two divisions, you were unemployed. But our company. at our company, <laughs> or, or we would line you up with one of our competition. Oh, yeah. So we had to, you know, hiring people. Yeah. Hiring salespeople and sales support people. It's tough. You have to hire people who really understand how their job relates to sales. You can't hire the engineer. You say, hey, Bill, that company you work for down in Silicon Valley, it went belly up. You know anything about that? And Bill says, oh, no, no, no. That was the sales guys. I had nothing to do with it. I say, thanks, Bill. Thanks for applying. Talk to you later. Everybody in our company had something to do with sales. That's why they were in sales support. Make no mistake about it. Their paycheck, the money that goes into their paycheck comes as a result of sales. We don't have a big pile of gold in the backyard that we just scoop up and put in your trunk every time it's payday. So two things. One is, what does your customer want and like and who? And then the second thing is, Is the person's sales minded? Are they customer service oriented? Do they understand where the real money comes from? If you can solve those two issues, I think you're at least halfway to a good hire. Yep. Absolutely. And if you're 50% on a good hire, you're actually doing pretty, pretty well. <laughs> so yeah. no, I, I love that. Thank you so much. You, you humored me, obviously, in, in the space as well, too. So I want to transition because we've got a lot to talk about, specifically about what you guys are doing now. And so I know I, I don't even want it like business storytelling. You're doing amazing, but that's not even a tenth of it. So would you guys just share a little bit about everything that you got going on? I know that also we have, have to say congratulations on a couple of awards as well, too. So feel free just to dive in a little bit share about the business storytelling everything that you're doing and then i I know i got tons of questions but please dive in on that we'd love to hear it yes thank you well we did sell our company and after we sold it congratulations that's uh you you, you, successful right there (laughs) yep 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 one in literally one in a million to sell companies if even if that so congratulations (laughs) yes and um after we did that our staff said well, you know, we've been working here for five or seven years. There's been no turnover. The success that you achieved was done in such a unique way that you have to share that with other people. You've got to write a book. So we did write a book. And we had an excellent author that we gave our story to, Rick Cushman. And he wrote it in a very humorous way. He wrote the stories, not the lessons learned, because the reader gets to pull out those lessons learned in the book. Well, The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand, became a New York Times bestseller. Michael and I began speaking at universities that teach entrepreneurship throughout the world. We've spoken, gosh, at how many now? 60. Yeah, and they've all had the book. Um, And then we started doing um, 
you know, uh, continuing our speaking engagements, and we saw a lot of people coming in with earbuds. Well, they were listening to audiobooks, and we said, well, we've, and podcasts. Well, in order for us to keep up with what was going on, we had to change our book into an audiobook. So we managed to uh, connect with a group, uh, the Sherwood Players, out of Hollywood, and their group, uh, an acting troupe, and we gave them the project of creating an audiobook out of our uh, New York Times bestseller. But we didn't just go out and hire actors to act it out. We listened to some business audiobooks, and we found them to be like single dimensional. Typically, in business audiobooks, somebody reads it to you, right? Now, maybe it's a Hollywood actor reading it to you or, or some other celebrity, but basically you're being read to. And we thought, you know, how boring, especially a business book. Here's the three things you got to do, the five things you never do, the 17 things your co- your company wants from you or whatever. We said, let's have a business adventure story like, say, a 1940s, you know, World War II radio theater where you have actors playing the parts and you got sound effects and you got music and it's emotional and uh, action takes place and there's outcome and there's takeaways. And so that's what we did. We created a series. It's about uh, seven hours long and it's broken down into segments that are like 25 minutes that you can listen to. And these are kind of like episodic chapters. And each one of them deals with a different set of stories. The stories are all short. They're like two minute stories, but they're all glued together into a 25 minute segment. And you can listen to them at your leisure while you're jogging or or driving or changing your baby's, baby's diapers. Or if you're sequestered right now with coronavirus, this would be a great thing to listen to. Uh, We have a lady who binged on and listened to all seven hours on one Saturday, last Saturday, but anyway, it's bingeable. It's bingeable. (laughs) Yeah. Love so that. we we got the we got the Hollywood actors and you know we, we found a really good group as Bonnie said and it came off beautifully. We just won uh one of the we are we were singled out as one of the five top audiobooks of 2020 by the Audiobook Producers Association. So we were really in the business sector. In business, yeah. So out of all the audiobooks we were in the top five. So we're, we're that is amazing. Excited. Yeah, we're pretty excited about so, that. So, as you should be. So, for the audience listening who are you know grasping kind of the concept, we've got obviously podcast listeners as they're listening to this, but we got audio listeners. So, what you're doing is you're you're combining storytelling, the fun of podcasts, and the learning of podcasts and audiobooks, but also adding like a theatrical component to it that makes it even more exciting than just somebody with a monotone voice that makes you want to go to sleep. Although I hope I don't have that, but certainly. So basically, what you're what you're what you're combining here is like adding theater, the fun of learning, but also just storytelling as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we call it 3D audio. (laughs) 3D audio. We're we're getting a little inception here. I love it. (laughs) The idea is, you know, uh, it, it's really the theater of the mind. You know, if if I have a video and I show John coming into the office and pulling up a chair, there's no imagination there. You see the office, you see the chair, you see John. But if I just say John walked into the office and pulled up a chair, your brain goes out and looks for a picture of an office from your memory. So now you're cooperating with the story. See, now it you're makes it more memorable. This this is this is a type of interactive learning, and so then 
you also go out and you say, okay, I need a chair. You go pull up a chair. So you just pulled up an office in a chair and you put it in your mind's eye. And this is why you see those old RCA Victor pictures with the old 1940s family and they're transfixed on the receiver of their radio, right? And you go, wait, there's no screen. What are they looking at? Well, they're looking at the picture in their mind. And we have seen that in our own audiences because we do have clips and and we've got something that your audience uh, can listen to when we're done here. But we do have clips that we've played when we're speaking and we'll have one of the illustrations from our book up on the screen and the audience will be transfixed moving forward, sitting forward in their seat, looking at the screen and listening to every word of the audio book. It's, yeah, it's, it's the, riveting. It's the power. It's the power of audio theater. It's an amazing power. And, you know, like your podcast, what we do is at the end of every segment, we have like a, a, a two minute interview with Michael and Bonnie, you know, where the author, Rick Cushman, in real time with the real Michael and the real Bonnie uh, says, you know, oh, my God, what were you guys thinking about when you did this? And then we have to explain why we did this stupid thing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the book really is trying to dismantle and reboot people's attitude toward entrepreneurship. Uh, we got brainwashed for years with this kind of Silicon Valley, you know, start rich, you know, you know uh, fail quick, uh, all this stuff. And, and that's just not realistic. Most people are like us, you know, they're out on their credit cards, they're in their garage, they're trying to, you know, make a business work. Uh, it's really tough. It, that's the hardship. And the heart is when you realize that there are other people, you have allies, you have people out there who want to see you succeed. And what can you do for them? And that is more powerful than if somebody wrote you a big check. And then and then uh, hardship, hustle, okay? Hustle. I mean, do you realize if Barefoot got an award in Los Angeles, the next day we would have a badge on every bottle of wine on the shelf in Los Angeles. See, that's hustle. And <laughs> there's no big company that can do that. And so this is why little guys have got a chance is because we are nimble and we're not trying to be everywhere. We're just trying to be good wherever we are. And I think that that's the real message of the book, which we tried to make it heartful, you know, encouraging, inspiring and entertaining. And uh, especially in times like this, you know, we're going to get through this. What does it look like on the other side of this picture? Now's the time to bone up on some lessons. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I love that. And and I, I, I want to recap what you said because I've never heard a phrase this way, but you basically said you're not trying to be everywhere, but you're you're trying to be really good at where you are. Is that how you framed it? Something you're, you're you're not trying. Yeah, you're not trying to you're not trying to sell everybody, but you're trying to do the best job you can with everybody you're selling. That is so good. That is such a words, just yeah. just yeah. do a good it, job and work hard with those around you as well. I love that. That's yeah, amazing. Well, it gets me fired up. Yeah, produce excellent customer service. It doesn't matter how many customers you have. If you produce excellent customer service, they will share their experience with their friends, neighbors, and family and expand your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I, I wanna um 
question here. So for, for Bonnie and Michael, as an entrepreneur, you guys have been entrepreneurs a lot of your lives, very successful. You're doing some amazing things. You're also humble enough to admit your, admit your mistakes. So what you're doing now with this business storytelling and adding 3D to audio, as, as a young entrepreneur speaking to me, why do I need this? Where's the value that I'm getting out of this? Personally, I can see it, but I really want the audience to understand this because I think it's really, really powerful stuff. So can you just give me a little bit of, hey, how is this really helping me grow as an entrepreneur? Well, first of all, you learn how to communicate differently with different people. And you do that by putting yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in the other guy's shoes. Find out what they want and give it to them. Sometimes it's not the money in your pocket. Sometimes it's you, they want your attention. They, they want you to respect what they have to say. That's why we were so good at building a team. In order to be a great entrepreneur, you have to rely on your team. And you have to have them all working towards the same goals. And that's what this book shows. Another thing that I think is really essential that this book shows is the process of developing a business uh, over a period of 20 years. When, yeah, the various stages. And there's so many companies out there now that have founders who have a wonderful legacy that they want to share. And their company has grown to such a degree that they don't know what the founders went through. They don't know what their goals were. They don't know what their founding principles were. We are now offering this service of business audio theater to founders of companies so they can preserve their own legacies. You know, it's one thing to go to work for a company that's already established that will pay you $200,000 to be, you know, a code writer or whatever. But it's quite another thing to start a solution in your garage or in your laundry room as we did. And when you do that, that's where you really appreciate the fact that if you don't make a sale today, tomorrow, you can put the washing machine back in because you don't need desk <laughs> space. <laughs> that is so true. That's such a good way of saying that. If you don't make a sale today, you might not be eating as much tomorrow. That's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's like you fast forward to a world. And, and I, it, it's kind of interesting how the virus is f causing us to reboot uh, right now because it's we, we are being reminded about things like food, clothing, shelter. We're being reminded about how precious a sale really is instead of taking everything for granted. And one of the things we're doing with Business Audio Theater today is we're going after founders who are basically afraid that their business is going to get into corporate malaise. We even call it corporate constipation because nothing moves, right? And so <laughs> what happens is when you start to get big and successful, then you get the engineering department, you get the HR department, you get the legal department, you get all these different departments, and then they start fighting with each other over territorial battles. Oh, no, that's my purview. Oh, no, that's your purview. See, and so you, you kind of lose track of the fact that all companies really only have two divisions, sales and sales support. So I guess one of the reasons why your listeners would really benefit from listening to the Barefoot Spirit audiobook is that it really dismantles a lot of commonly held misconceptions about business, and it helps you reboot your own mind and your own attitude about business. And I would say it's encouraging because it's not as much of a mystery as you would think. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. That's so good. So I, I, I got to ask my favorite question on the planet, and I know you guys also have an offer at the, at the end for the audience as well, too. But for both Michael and Bonnie, what is it that ultimately gets you guys out of bed in the morning? I mean, you guys have done some amazing work. Obviously, entrepreneurs, you're, you're, you're sharing your experiences. You're giving founders the opportunity to share theirs as well, too, which is just really, really purpose-driven work. But what is it for you two that really drives you and gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I'm probably speaking for both of us, but you know, we're educators and we do that because the lessons that we learned were hard. They were painful. They cost a lot of money and a lot of stress. And if we can share those lessons with entrepreneurs and business owners, then they don't have to suffer as much as we did. They can succeed faster. And I know that we can make a huge difference in their business and in their lives. And I I just want to get out there and help them. You know, what gets me out of bed is we have an alarm cat. <laughs> so when you, when so you're, you're forced to, to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, first you get the pushing, then you get the yelling, then you get the, the, the nails, right? The claws. <laughs> but no, I, I like to get out of bed, uh, Max, in the morning because, you know, everything that we've done, every day you're alive, you're learning lessons. I really think that that's why we're all here on this planet is to learn lessons. We're learning lessons now with this virus situation. But, you know, we learned lessons like how do you communicate these complex business ideas to people in a fun way? And so we hit on this idea of business theater. And it's exciting because we think that this is like a new genre and other people are going to do it. Because once you listen to business audio theater, you don't want to go back to having a book read to you. Now you want them all performed. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, Michael and Bonnie, I want to give you an opportunity. I know you had a little bit of something for the, the audience, and I know it's super exciting. So you, you, I want to give you a chance to share sort of the, the little bit of a gift that you want to extend to the audience. So um, we've been jabbering a lot about our new uh, business audio book, which is done in a business theater style. And we are going to give all of Matt's listeners a free chapter, and it's going to be in the show notes. So you'll just click on the link and you'll go to a free chapter. You'll be able to hear chapter one. And the idea is at the end of chapter one, uh, you'll be wondering whether or not Michael and Bonnie succeed, get arrested, go bankrupt, or just, uh, you know, commit suicide. You don't know what the hell's going to happen. But that's the, the way it is in business. And what keeps you going is believing. And so it's the spirit. It's what we call the barefoot spirit. It's what keeps you going. So we're going to give you a free shot of spirit. We're going to try to cheer everybody up. <laughs> Love that. A little a little shot as well to get them through. That's amazing. So I'm super excited. Thank you first and foremost for offering uh, offering the, the gift to the audience. I know they're going to be hooked and they're going to love it. And most importantly, I just want to say thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I want to. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? You've obviously left me very fired up and I'm going to go about my day running a company with a little bit of pep in my step. But is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? Well, I think that, uh, you know, Bonnie has something to say. We, we, we always have too much to say and not enough time. But anyway, <laughs> uh, go to uh, www.thebarefootspirit.com 
www.thepeopleshow.com. And that's our website. And you'll see that we have a lot of resources there that are free resources that can help any business. So, you know, check out the place that's called News, and you'll see that we've written over 400 articles and for magazines like Entrepreneur and Forbes and those folks. And uh, we break stuff down into plain English. So, you know, we're not talking over your head. Amazing. I just want Love- to say to you, Matt, and to all the listeners, keep the spirit alive. That is a good word. That's what I needed to hear today. So thank you. Michael, Bonnie, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I know the listeners are going to absolutely love it. And they're also thankful for the free gift as well, too. Diving into the chapters. So thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. This has been fun. Thanks for lifting my spirits today, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt. We got smiles on our faces now. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.